Uh, we're going to continue our discussion on the U.S. presidential race. Uh, the dissemination of fake news or uh, false statements by various uh, figures and uh, perhaps uh, misinformation uh, being spread through social media has, again, become a big issue. Uh, people who are supporters of Trump have been quite angry at uh, social media sites like uh, Facebook and Twitter for perhaps putting uh, a bit of a clamp on uh, some of the uh, the fake news that has been spreading. And we just had some uh, breaking news coming in that the uh, Trump Justice Department is now looking into antitrust uh, moves against uh, the uh, tech giant Google. Now, whether there's a correlation with all of that uh, remains to be seen. But uh, one of the preeminent uh, fact checkers in uh, the U.S., political discourse is PolitiFact, and we're very pleased to be joined by the senior author of the Almanac of American Politics and winner of the Weinbaum Center Award for Evidence-Based Journalism from Washington University in St. Louis and senior correspondent at PolitiFact, Louis Jacobson, on the line. Hello. Hi there. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. I mean, there's a host of issues that we can uh, delve into here <laughs> right now. I, I just uh, mentioned the the, the Google uh, breaking news uh, with the Justice Department uh, pursuing legal action against them uh, in terms of antitrust. Uh, I, I guess the first story, which I, I think the Trump supporters had hoped would become a big deal, maybe akin to the, the Comey email announcement uh, in the lead up to the presidential elections of 2016. The New York Post article with the allegations uh, aired against Hunter Biden. What did you make about that yeah i mean um it kind of surprised a lot of us uh um i think it 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 kind of landed with a thud um because uh it kind of tried to revive some of the um talking points uh uh you know about hunter biden um and about his dealings overseas um that had already been kind of litigated um in the media uh, it certainly got a lot of attention, uh, 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 you know, around the time of the impeachment proceedings uh, because of the Ukraine angle. And uh, people were kind of tired of it. And I think um, for uh, it also uh, you know, pretty clearly, openly had the fingerprints of Rudy Giuliani right. and other um, Trump supporters on it. And I think that, uh, you know, it would be one thing if a totally independent news organization uh, uh, came out with it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think people who were already skeptical of the Trump um, side uh, were, uh, you know, not especially impressed by that particular piece of uh of journalism. Right. And then what came out in the aftermath with these accusations of uh, p- potentially uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, being compromised by Russian intelligence and the intelligence officials also saying that this has all the markings of a uh, Russian uh, disinformation campaign. There was a lot of anger on the Trump side um, in regards to Twitter making the decision to uh, basically uh, prevent the, the spread of uh, links being retweeted regarding that New York Post story, uh, which has now resulted in Trump and his Republican supporters uh, railing against uh, big tech, particularly uh, Twitter and to a lesser extent uh, Facebook, in terms of uh, not being able to get their message across. Is that a, a compelling argument, you think, in their favor? Well, I, I think it plays well with their base. Um, uh, uh, it's always useful for any politician or you know, any political movement uh, to have um, a uh, villain um, and to sort of play off that. And, uh, you know, I think so- social media serves that role, and sometimes deservedly so and sometimes mm. not. Um, wh- one thing that I see, we um, at the 
in terms of PolitiFact, we um, do a lot of fact-checking, and we work with Facebook um, in terms of uh, 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 fact-checking Facebook posts and then uh, you know, notifying Facebook so they can kind of um, decrease the, the like velocity right. of the fake stories or, or the false stories that we've we, uh, we've checked into. Um, and one thing that this has done um, is that for for us at least, you know, Politifact uh, speaking here, uh, you know, most people um, who came to our website or saw saw our tweets or saw our writing somewhere. Um, so, uh, you know, in the past, sought it out, and they they were sort of open to hearing about what we have to say. Mm. Now, because our uh, fact checks are being cited on face on Facebook by Facebook, it's being um, exposed to a lot of people who um, who uh, certainly did not come to us and have no interest in necessarily believing anything we have to say. And so, it's right. more of a sort of tension point for that reason. Uh, pe- people who are supporters um, of the president. Uh, who don't like what we're saying in our fact checks um, are forced to at least see what we write do through through uh, Facebook, and that's different. Um, uh, it didn't really happen that way until sort of January of this year, I think, roughly. Yeah, and for our listeners here in Korea, uh, could you help just clear up sort of uh, the the organization itself? Maybe just fact check what. PolitiFact actually is, because uh, if you go on the Twitter first uh, again, um, you'll see that um, progressives, there are complaints against PolitiFact for not going against Trump enough or, or, you know, maybe both sidesing the issue too much. And then obviously the Trump supporters saying that PolitiFact is this uh, wild, uh, radical left organization uh, determined to bring Trump down. What exactly is PolitiFact and what do you do there? We, uh, you know, really consider ourselves to be nonpartisans and uh, professionals journalistic professionals who can set aside, uh, you know, any sort of biases and just be the umpire and call balls and strikes. Um, now, uh, there are certain people, frankly, on both sides right. who um, think that's not true, and we'll probably never convince them of that. But that, but we just try to keep our heads down um, and uh, uh, fact-check things as we um, best uh, can tell from our research and our understanding. Um, and then put that out there for folks to read. And if they want to believe us, that's great. If they don't, that's their choice. Yeah, and we we know that um, disinformation, fake news, uh, as that's have, and you know the, the way it's been termed, it's become a loaded term somewhat. But uh, that was a big problem in 2016. There's concerns that if anything, it could be worse in 2020. As we head to November 3rd, and as voters and millions have already cast their votes, so their votes are essentially off the table now, so it wouldn't be affected right. by fake news one way or the other. Uh, can you give us your assessment yeah. on what you're seeing as we head into uh, November 3rd and maybe how um, this kind of dissemination of um, misinformation has been affecting voters and whether you think this is going to be as big a problem as uh, we saw in 2016? Sure. Um, uh, you know, my my feeling is that the 2016 election was was fundamentally very different than the 2020 election. Okay. Um, 2016, Donald Trump was the outsider. He was taking on, uh, he was challenging the party that, the, uh, that had been in power for eight years. Um, he, obviously, he was well known, but people hadn't seen him as a president yet. Um, and also Hillary Clinton was like historically unpopular. Um, Biden doesn't appear to be nearly as unpopular, mm-hmm. and Trump now has a record that he has to defend. Um, and he's very polarizing. Um, it, uh, his, um, 
his general approval ratings for his four years in office have been remarkably consistent over time. Um, and what that means is that people either love him or hate him, and there aren't that many persuadable voters out there. Yeah. There also aren't um, uh, significant um, third- or fourth-party candidates in the race, which enabled um, Trump to win. Um, in uh, No Jill Stein this time around. Doesn't mean he saying. can't yeah. win. Sorry? No Jill Stein this time around is what you're saying. Correct, correct. Um, it doesn't mean he can't win. He still has a path to victory, but I think most people who have taken a look at this uh, see him as the underdog at this point. Um, so um, uh, uh, cer- certainly fair to, to say that there's still a possibility he could change things, but he is known as a, as a candidate and a president who really sticks to his old approaches and doesn't really experiment with doing things differently. Um, and I think we're seeing that in the 2020 campaign. What that means is that people who m- might even be like persuaded, yeah, maybe I'll support this guy, yeah. He's not giving them much to work on. Uh, either you love what he's been for the past four years or you hate what he's been for the past four years. And I just don't see a lot of minds changing late in the game, as they definitely did in 2016 when both Clinton and Trump right. were just, uh, uh, who, uh, they were very unpopular. Uh, uh, yeah, and I think a lot of people would agree with that assessment. Uh, Louis Jacobson, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Really interesting to get your insights and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much. We'll be back after another check of traffic and weather.